Hello, everybody, and welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and on this week's episode, we're taking a deeper look at the Club World Cup. It's everyone's favorite tournament, and by everyone, I mean Gianni Infantino and pretty much Gianni Infantino. We've discussed this tournament in the past. Uh, today, we're looking at its history, present format, and future evolutions. I think we're going to spend a lot of time on what it will look like going forward. Joining me to do so is a man who can't wait for the 128-team iteration launching in 2035, I assume. <laughs> it's Graham Ruffin. Graham, that sound about right to you? Uh, hello, Taylor Rotwell. I'm laughing, but purely out of <laughs> fear that that kind of sounds like a thing that might happen yeah. uh-huh. in 2035. Yeah, the Club World Cup is a... Is a it's a weird competition. I watched the semi-final between Uroa Red Diamonds and Man City uh, this year's competition. Erling Haaland, who obviously is coming back from, from injury, he was on the bench and honestly looked completely bored watching mm-hmm. this game from the bench, which wasn't the greatest endorsement of the of the tournament. Man City were also comfortably winning, so he had reason to be enthused. But he was not, and his uh, his face gave the game away. Do you feel like if we're if we're jumping ahead a little bit and if we're giving Infantino the benefit of the doubt, do you feel like that boredom, that look of boredom on Erling Haaland's face is why he wants to sort of reinvigorate this tournament and change the format a bit? Because it does always feel like inevitably we're going to get the European champion versus Mm. either South America or maybe Africa, maybe AFC. But for the most part, it's going to be a European champion and then it's going to be a European club winning it for the most part. So I do wonder if there's an element here of Infantino seeing that and thinking like, yeah, we got to freshen this one up because it's the same thing every time. I don't think that enters his thinking at all. No, it's just money. It's money and it's political control is the thing with Infantino. So we'll probably come on to this a little bit later on. But things like the expanded World Cup, the International World Cup, um, people might say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's lowering the barrier for entry for smaller countries and that is potentially a good thing. Those countries then give Gianni Infantino their votes the next time there's an election and it keeps him right. in power. So the more people you keep happy, the smaller countries, you know, small countries have the same number of votes in these things as big countries. If you keep more of them happy, they give you more of your, their votes. So I think, I think honestly, I don't think that, I don't think he is thinking, how can we make the Club World Cup a better sporting spectacle or event? I think he's thinking, how can we create more money and how can I stay in power for longer? Frankly, I think that's his thought process. Yeah. I do think it was Infantino when he first ran who like one of his campaign promises was to give every federation $5 million as like discretionary <laughs> funds. And it's like, ah, politics, cool. Yeah, awesome. it's, not, just... it's not a bribe if you just say it in the media. <laughs> exactly. If you say discretionary funds, then it sounds legit and totally uh, worthwhile and towards a purpose instead of just please vote for me. But you know what? We're not here to talk about FIFA politics, though inevitably we will again. We're here to talk about the Club World Cup, and I'm excited to do so because, Graham, I am still confused by this thing, specifically Mm. the changes that are coming and how qualification will work. But we don't need to talk about that yet. Let's first talk about what the Club World Cup actually is. Take it away, Graham. Yeah, so the Club World Cup is exactly what the name suggests, sort of. So it's a competition for clubs around the world. Um, But to be honest, it's a bit more like a club confederations cup if people remember that competition, because of the way that the teams are invited as champions of each confederation around the world. So you have the champions of the Copa Libertadores invited, you have the Champions League winners in in, in Europe as well, and all the confederational champions get invited to this competition. Um, This is a competition... So the Club World Cup has had various iterations over history, um, and I'm going to take you all the way back to 1887. I was wondering how far we were going back on this one. Yeah. 
where that is the very kind of root of a, a club world cup concept so there was this thing called the football world championship um but it was a bit like the world series in that it wasn't a world championship at all it was between the english fa cup winners and <laughs> exactly. scottish cup winners because at that time uh, england and scotland were really the only countries or britain as a whole were the only was the only country that had kind of an ecosystem football ecosystem to speak of um, yeah, england so, yeah, and scotland in the late 1800s aka the world according to england and scotland <laughs> yeah. yeah i got you yeah, don't pretend like America's, American sports aren't doing this sort of thing in 2023 when beating baseball and hey, uh, I think basketball as well calls the themselves NFL the NFL champions Champion. are the world champions, Graham. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think also yeah. the WWE champion is the world champion. I feel like there's other wrestling leagues around the world, but... Yeah, you know, whatever. World champions. It's great. Yeah. So you guys are still doing this. At least we grew yep. out of, of, of doing this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so what then Scotland in, did. <laughs> yeah, England didn't. In 1909, there was a, a world tournament between clubs from England, Italy, Germany, and Switzerland. And it was sort of half recognized by FIFA um, in a weird kind of semi-state of being an official tournament. Then in, then in the 1950s, you had this thing called the Copa Rio in Brazil. And while it wasn't an official FIFA tournament, so I did a lot of reading on the Copa Rio, and some, at that time, the FIFA president was João Havelange, and he's a Brazilian, and he's kind of unofficially recognised it, but it wasn't a FIFA tournament, but it was quite popular, um, and primarily it was between Brazilian and Italian clubs at that time, um, so not really a world championship either, but they were the two strongest countries in terms of clubs at that at that um, time in history Mm -hmm. there was a crowd of over 200,000 fans at the Maracanã for the first final between Palmaris and Juventus in 1951 so it did have some momentum behind it then over the next few decades you have various other global club competitions and inter-confederation matches like the Tournoi de Paris was a popular one then in 1960 you start to get some kind of official recognition of these tournaments. UEFA and Conmebol got together to create the Intercontinental Cup, which was a match, a one-off match between the, I think in some points of history it was a two-legged match, but anyway, it was only two teams um, between the winners of the Champions League and the winners of the Copa Libertadores. By the way, some of the stories of the Intercontinental Cup over the 60s and 70s are absolutely wild. So when Celtic, they won the European Cup in 1967, they played Racing Club in in 1966, seven for in, in the international uh, intercontinental cup six players were sent off there was riot police there was fighting in the stands when bertie old who's a, a kind of legendary celtic player he was sent off he just refused to leave the pitch and just continued to play the rest of the match he just he just ignored the referee and other matches were similarly violent and uh samrat busby of course uh, former Manchester United manager, he publicly called for Argentinian teams, all Argentinian teams, to be banned from all competitive football after one game against Manchester United, where I think similarly to the Celtic Racing Club story, there was a lot of red cards, a lot of fighting. And then a lot of the times after that, European clubs just refused the the invite. They didn't go to, to play these games. So it's a little bit spotty when you look back through those games of who's actually playing them and whether European clubs are involved. But then it did gain kind of new importance in the 80s when Toyota sponsored the, the competition. They sponsored it all the way up till 2004, which is when you have FIFA uh, creating the Club World Cup in its current form. I actually remember some of the, the intercontinental matches kind of in the late 90s and early 2000s i remember manchester united playing in one and um maybe it was ryan giggs i think a a manchester united player getting handed a big giant gold key by someone from uh, toyota i think man of the match got like a toyota corolla 
Which, you know, nothing wrong with a Toyota Corolla, but if you're a professional footballer, you're probably thinking, earning millions of pounds a year in salary, you're thinking, oh, thanks for the Toyota Corolla. Uh, these games are also played in Japan. Not entirely sure how you get the Corolla back to Manchester. But anyway, that's the, it, that's the potted history of a really, really weird competition. Is the Toyota Corolla big enough for Ryan Giggs to have multiple affairs in? I'm not sure. It might be too small for him. I don't know. I don't know. Do I have to throw yeah. in an allegedly there, or are we pass that with Giggs? Uh, allegedly, there are, okay. a lot of, uh, there are a lot of affairs for him to fit into his Corolla, so I'm not, I'm not so sure he might need an SUV. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for, for running through that abbreviated history. I love that Zhao Havelange makes an appearance when it comes to the Club World Cup. Uh, to my understanding, Zhao Havelange is sort of the grandfather of soccer corruption and self-interest, mm. so I like that he gets involved at that early stage to really set the scenes for what's to come with the Club World Cup. And I also thought it was interesting that Sir Matt Busby uh, had the joint statement of we should ban all of uh, Argentinian teams and also those islands look nice. Sir Matt Busby is the beginning of the Falklands War, I think. I could have that wrong, but yeah. uh, we move to the 2000s when we get the actual first like Club World Cup by name. That was what founded in 2000. So the tournament itself is only 23 years old and doesn't take its present format until 2006 because uh, yeah. we get like a strange joint tournament at the same time. Yeah, so Taylor, you, you spoke about Zhao Havelange uh-huh. um, kind of being the grandfather, the dubious grandfather of the Club World Cup. Did you read who first proposed the Club World Cup in its current form in the early 2000s? It was Silvio Berlusconi presented it to oh. to FIFA. So uh, they created the Club World Cup and wow. decided against the FIFA-branded sex parties that Berlusconi, I believe, also proposed in that meeting. They uh-huh. left that, that, that one to the side. But yeah, Berlusconi... I, I, I can't tell if you're joking with Berlusconi. <laughs> that might have been a thing he actually proposed. Yeah, I think I was joking, but even I'm, I'm not entirely right. sure. <laughs> it's like, it's somewhere where hears this and says, like, how did they know? <laughs> that document yeah. got out that was supposed to be sealed. Yeah, so you oh, have man. the Club World Cup in the year 2000 as the first, in its current form, by that name, and it was given yeah. the big build-up, and there was a draw in a hotel in, I think, Rio, and there was a new broadcast deal around the world, and it was hosted in Brazil. The next two years, though, it didn't happen, because the whole thing went bankrupt, so that was not a great start. <laughs> Then uh, what you're kind of mentioning with the, the merging of the two things is FIFA and UEFA and Comnibol, they, 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 they met and they agreed to merge the Club World Cup and the Intercontinental Cup, which was having troubles of its own. Um, and that was uh, back in 2005. I think the Club World Cup was back for 2005. And since then, it's been hosted by Japan, the UAE, Morocco, Qatar. And this year, it's been hosted by Saudi Arabia for the first time. Uh, and as you said, you have the champions of all the different uh, f- confederations, which I-, I respect Copa Lib for sticking with Copa Lib, but writing it out, it was AFC Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League, UEFA Champions League, <laughs> CAF Champions League, Oceania Champions League, and the Copa Lib, plus the host nation's national champion. That's how you get the, the Saudi champion, Al Ittihad, uh, involved in this iteration. And then the format itself at present would be domestic champion plays the Oceania ch- uh, champion in a play-in game. The winner of that goes to the quarterfinals where they will face the team from CONCACAF, the team from Africa, the team from Asia. And then the winners of those advance to the semifinals where the European champions and the South American champions await. So your European champions, in this case, uh, this year, Manchester City, and your South American champion, Fluminense, uh, both get automatic buys to the semifinals. So they're basically only playing uh, two games, ideally the semi and the final for those teams. Uh, That's the... Basic history uh, up to present. We'll talk about the future in a second. First, Graham, let's talk a little bit about what the tournament has looked like maybe since 2000. Who have been 
the most successful team. I didn't even have to research this one. I was pretty confident it was Real Madrid, and that yeah. is the exact answer. Yeah, so Real Madrid have won more Club World Cup titles than any other club. They've got five, which um, isn't too surprising, as you kind of referenced there, Taylor, given how many Champions League titles they've won in that time. Barcelona have three. They're next in the list. Corinthians are the only non-European team to have won it more than once. Uh, and Sao Paulo, pa- Sao Paulo and Internacional, they, they have also won it, but they've only, um, they've only won it once each. But if you go back through the finals since 2005... I mean, it starts off with two Brazilian winners. You mm-hmm. know, Sao Paulo when it beat Liverpool in 2005, then Internacional beat Barcelona in 2006. But since then, it is, you know, complete European yeah. dominance. You have Milan beating Boca Juniors, Manchester United uh, beating uh, Quito. That's an interesting one, 2008. Mm. Then it's like Barcelona, Inter Milan, Barcelona, Corinthians, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, yeah. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Real Madrid, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Real Madrid. Yeah. And then this season, I think... Um, we have the final on Friday between Fluminense, who are actually quite a strong team. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's not write them off entirely. But a betting man would say Manchester City are going to add themselves to that list of champions. And that would, like on the surface, imply that European teams take this more seriously, that they're more up for it because they've won more often. I feel like the more obvious explanation is there's a lot more money in European football and there's, I think, bigger, stronger clubs who don't have to sell their players to those bigger, stronger clubs. Uh, So I think you tend to get European teams dominating because I think that's where most of the money goes. Mm. Do you think that's a fair summary, Graham, or do you feel like there are uh, leagues, confederations, teams that do take this a bit more seriously? Well, I think there's this notion that the Club World Cup is a big deal, or a bigger deal at least for the non-European teams, mm-hmm. and I think I think there is some there is some truth in that because these clubs they don't have another route to essentially take a chunk out of the European teams who are, are meant to be the, the dominant forces. They have the the most money, so there is a, a natural incentive there if you're outside the Western mainstream glare. As even in Brazil, you know these clubs are big clubs, but in in, in Western terms, I mean. How many Brazilian league matches have we truthfully watched in the last number of years? I, I don't think I've watched a single one. I watched a bit of a, a couple, couple of Bertadores every season, but other than that, that's kind of my only exposure yeah. to live South American football. So you want to perform in that moment if you have the mainstream glare on you. I think largely, though, it's just down to European clubs. Their dominance is just down to them having the money and the quality, which comes from the money, of course, and... I was very conscious of Manchester City playing, who did they drop points to again? Uh, Crystal Palace in the Premier League. And I'm watching Match of the Day and they're talking about how, well, you know, Manchester City now, they're going to get a little bit of a break um, before their next Premier League match. Of course, they're away to play the Club World Cup. So that kind of tells you, I'm not digging out Gary Lineker because I I think that is just a general consensus, but that tells you how these clubs and how just fans in, I don't think it's an English thing, I think it's generally a European thing as as, as a whole, fans in Europe treat this competition as, it's not a a friendly competition, I wouldn't go that far. Manchester City, excuse me, they do want to win it, you get a nice patch if you win it on the shirt, a nice gold patch in, in the middle of your shirt. So clubs do want to win it, but it's it's not it's nowhere near. It doesn't have the reverence of the Champions League or the Premier League. Nowhere, nowhere even close to that. Yeah, even like I th- I think I'm correct in saying that maybe this is before it was like the Club World Cup or branded as such. Manchester United participated. And as a result, I think refused to play in either the League Cup or the FA Cup. And that the was FA Cup. FA yeah, Cup, there you go. And that was. A source of much controversy because for a team to not participate in 
you know, the most prestigious cup competition, if you're English, um, then we all know it's the U.S. Open Cup, obviously. Uh, but that was seen as, as sort of a, a, a big snub. And I think some people thought it was like, oh, there you go. Manchester United are prioritizing this new tournament. They're prioritizing being world champions. And I think for Sir Alex Ferguson, it was just a way to not have to play games that he wasn't mm. really that concerned about, whereas the Club World Cup is sort of a holiday. And I think further example of that would just be that when we talk about like the World Cup, the, the previous men's World Cup happening in the middle of the season, no one was ever like, oh, yeah, they're getting a quick little break to go play in some like international competition and then they'll be back to the regular season. It was definitely seen as a grueling slog and more fixtures and more distractions. I don't think anyone ever really talks about the Club World Cup as a grueling slog and more of a distraction slash amusement does feel like the way it tends to be discussed when it's European teams participating. Maybe that's my bias, but it does feel like you and I are sort of similarly minded on that one yeah absolutely I, I think the most laborious thing for these european teams is the fact they have to travel like halfway across the world to, to to play them that is probably the the most testing thing the most taxing thing about these competitions so i am um, i am not opposed to editorialize here i'm not opposed to to a club world cup as a concept mm -hmm. i think there's something worth protecting there um, I just don't know. I don't know if this is a, an appropriate segue to talk about the changes, but I, yeah, I just so don't know if the changes that have been proposed are the way to do that. So those changes uh, would be starting in 2025. The U.S. will host the first expanded uh, tournament from June 15th to July 13th. So there's a big change right there. The Club World Cup is obviously uh, we're talking about this in late December, usually in December, early January, I believe. Uh, in this case, it's going to move to the summer. You're going to get 32 teams divided into eight, te uh, eight teams or eight groups of four. Excuse me, not eight teams of four. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, UEFA awarded the most slots with 12, then Comable uh, with six, then AFC CAF, CONCACAF all given four. OFC and the host association each given one slot. So you're going to get a bunch of teams and they are building up to that by having sort of each year's winner qualify for 2025. It's unclear to me, Graham, how they will handle it from that point on, because to my understanding, it will be an annual competition. So I don't really know how they're going to make that qualifying happen. So I I read that it's happening every four years. Okay. That would make a lot not, more sense for how, yeah. to, how to make that then functional. Yeah, but I, I I totally understand why you would be a little bit cloudy on that because it feels like FIFA has changed these these plans every six months for the last like three years. I've also I've I've been a little bit confused on when this is actually going to happen because I yeah. swear the Club World Cup has been expanding every year for the last five years. Like it's going to happen next year. It's going to happen next year. So apparently it's real this time. And in twenty twenty five we are going to get this expanded uh, competition. I, I've I've got a lot a lot of mixed thoughts on this expanded competition because just purely from a sporting point of view, having competitive more competitive matches between top level teams, even the Brazilian ones or the South American ones, is is appealing to me. But it's a little bit of a farce that Chelsea, for example, who won the Champions League in twenty twenty one are going to be playing in the Club World Cup in 2025. Well, they're even... Well, the same players... Well, for Chelsea, I think we know the answer to this, but <laughs> for a normal club even, will the same players be playing in that team four years after yeah. they've won the Champions League in the Club World Cup? It's just, it's just a bit far school. That would be ridiculous if that's how World Cup qualifying worked. Like, th three years out from the tournament, yet we booked our spot and we don't have to worry about anything <laughs> for the next three years. It Yeah, it doesn't... Fully make a ton of sense. That's basically you, what the U.S. has done for 26, yeah, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're hosting. We're just being heroic like that. Um, yeah, that, that, that is an odd one to have that sort of delay in the way that they're going to do qualifying. 
Also an odd one to me is that at the same time, again, I could be wrong on this one because I was wrong before, but then we will still have an Intercontinental Cup, which will return in December of 2024, which will basically be the present format of the Club World Cup. Six teams, one from each confederation. You won't have the host nation automatically qualifying, and I think those games will be a little bit more spread out. But it is still the case that we're going to have basically the same formatted tournament at least one more time, but I think that one also meant to be annual in December. And then we'll have the Club World Cup every four years. That really does, I think, solidify for me to your earlier point that maybe it's about having a prestigious club competition and giving more competition and getting more eyes on it. But ultimately, I think it's about money because that way they can have this the tournament still in, in December and make money there. And then they can have this Club World Cup every four years and make even more money there. Yeah, and one of the one of the most offensive things about this is just um, the impact it will have on player welf- welfare. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we just we just don't need any more football. Expanded International World Cup, more Champions League fixtures from next season, more Europa League fixtures, more teams in the MLS playoffs. It's it's just become too much. You can't fit everything in anymore. And this, uh, I think, that's illustrated and underlined by the fact that this Club World Cup in 2025 will happen at exactly the same time as the Gold Cup in 2025. They're happening at, this, at the same... Uh, so I'm not sure in terms of player availability whether there'll be too much overlap there, but the fact we've just got tournaments happening yeah. uh, on top of each other now in, in summers, which are meant to be the time off for players, it just kind of highlights the situation that we've, we, we've got into. And FIFA, they will argue that this format, they'll put the PR spin on it and they'll say this format will help grow football around the world and raise the level in, in non-European uh, confederations. And I think having it for a full month will give the competition a better chance to create storylines and attract viewers because at the moment it's 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 kind of like it's here and then it's over in the space of a few days. Like it's, it's, it's a week, like Manchester City, they arrive there on the Tuesday, they play a couple of games, it's over by the Friday and you don't really get any opportunity as a fan to kind of to, to gauge engage with it there will also be a 50 million pound prize pot in the expanded club world cup so the clubs can earn a lot more money in it which may be a factor in them taking it a little bit more seriously so the, they are trying to incentivize it for these clubs and they are fifa are trying they are throwing a lot into this mm-hmm. like gianni infantino has made this along with the expanded world cup a big part of his premiership as, as fifa president he keeps talking about it he brings it up a lot I just think as a con as 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 a, as a concept, it's kind of a little bit flawed. Why? I don't disagree, but why do you say that? Well, just be, for the reasons that I, I I've said about like the the player welfare welfare mm. aspect, but it, conceptually as well, I just I just don't think the Club World Cup will ever be a marquee tournament that, as long as that's a competition yeah. that includes clubs from around the world. I, yeah. I I think the idea, as I said, there's something in the idea. Um, and I think it's a worthy concept to have a competition for teams around the world to face each other. But the reality is there is a huge inequality between clubs and different confederations. So as a sporting event, it's always going to be lopsided. Um, and then I don't, I don't really understand how inviting more European teams <laughs> to the Club World Cup is going to solve that. Yeah. Like It's just going to make the semifinals. Like, I, I'm not entirely sure how the draw will work, in fairness. But if we're just picking the four best teams in this competition, it's going to be four European teams in the semifinals, and that doesn't solve the problem at all. Yeah, and, and I think the immediate response to what you've, you've just pointed out there is like, but the World Cup's not any different, right? Like, you have European champions or South American champions, and that's pretty much it. You have other nations that will compete and will be there, but ultimately, uh, New Zealand is never expected to beat Germany. And, and so you could extend that argument here and say, like, so it's just kind of the same thing. 
And I think that's kind of the problem, though, is that like the World Cup is the World Cup. It is the thing that we all grew up with. We've had different competitions and formats change and whatever it may be. But the World Cup has been the thing that kind of endures and, and is because it's every four years and the way qualifying works. It feels like this global event. The Club World Cup, I don't think it's ever going to feel like that. Not least because you're going to have a Chelsea team that will have like an entirely new squad and they'll probably have players from other teams that qualified like the year after them or whatever. And you're going to have this weird intermixture. But it is ultimately, I think, personally, always going to feel like a preseason friendly. It's always mm. going to feel sort of like a, a, a thing that it, like teams are doing and it will be cool to go to. But I, I just I can't envision a reality in which players with all the other competitions they have both like at club level and then like and then in terms of uh, continental competitions but then also with their national teams i just can't see any player being like sweet i we qualified for this four years ago i can't wait to to be in it this summer and have more games it just it always i think is going to feel a bit like a distraction and i'm not trying to be like overly negative or just sort of pessimistic about it it just feels to me like on the surface oh, it's a Club World Cup that's expanding. You're going to have groups and then a knockout round and you're going to have the biggest clubs on the planet all participating and it's so exciting. I get that. It's just when you delve one step deeper and it's like, wait, but it's the teams that have qualified over a three or four year period and you don't know who those people are and it's going to be imbalanced and, and it just feels like inevitably you're going to get, like by the quarterfinals, you'll get some South American teams, you'll get a lot of European teams and a feeling, again, of Erling Holland looking sort of bored on the sidelines <laughs> waiting for the Premier League season to begin. Yeah, I think football as a whole is kind of afflicted, at the moment it's kind of afflicted with a sort of stock market mentality where every competition has to be the greatest competition in the world and uh, we need to make this the best competition, we need to make this a marquee event and like having a hierarchy of tournaments is okay. I I think the current format is not perfect at all. I'm not saying it's the most engrossing tournament. I'm not pretending that the the final on Friday, which I I probably will watch actually, but I'm not saying I'm, I'm hugely looking forward to it. But I do think the current format has some form of worth where you have each continental champion coming together for, for, for a tournament. The problem with the new format and with the rhetoric from FIFA is they're, they're trying to pretend it can be something that it never will. Like, I think this expanded format is a bad idea for a number of reasons, but I don't have a suggestion on how you make yeah. the Club World Cup a truly marquee event on the level of the Champions League. I just don't think it can happen as long as you're inviting teams from 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 around the world. And I, I even think from a, a non-European perspective, I, w- I watched the Copa Libertadores final, I know you did as well, Taylor, Fluminense were in that. The the emotional scenes at full time when they yeah. won that, Marcelo in tears, you know, it was, it was, it was very emotional. If they win, I might be wrong, but if they win on Friday against Manchester City... I'm not saying they won't celebrate it, but I just don't think that victory has the same resonance no. emotionally, um, personally, think, you know, individually for these players as something yeah. like the Libertadores does. No, the I think the only way it does is just that you can then say, like, I beat Pep. I beat Manchester City. I beat the champions of England. But, like, it, that's about the individual team. I th- I feel like rarely do people win the World Cup and their celebration is just because they beat a certain team in the final. It's that they won the World Cup. Yeah. To your point, I don't see, yeah, joyous celebrations. I feel like it's sort of, again, a preseason friendly. of Like, ah, oh, yeah, good game. Like, whatever. We got some medals. Cool. Let's all go about our business. Like, I, I agree with you. I don't think it ever can sort of get to that level. Like, like yeah, the only I, thing I can think is, like, maybe if you had it, really did have it be, like, above the Champions League, as in, 
if you win the Champions League or if you're of a certain tier, then instead of the Champions League, you're in like the global Champions League and you're all over the planet. Like even then, it just, that just feels more gimmicky and weird than anything else. So I just don't, I don't think there's a way. And it does sort of, it's an odd thing that like in the end, we're saying some of this definitely feels like FIFA and Infantino wanting to wrest control of certain competitions uh, away from UEFA. But in a way, it's like they're conflicting with themselves because the Gold Cup is is like, like fundamentally a FIFA competition. It's a FIFA sanctioned mm. event. So is the World Cup. So are so are all these other competitions. It just feels like at the end of the day, you're if you're Infantino, you're just adding more stuff to an already crowded list that is meant to get everybody excited and and bring more eyes onto the sport. But I think just dilutes it a little bit in the end. Yeah. I think politically, jealousy is, is is a real driving factor. I mean, Gianni Infantino and FIFA, they see the control that UEFA has over European club football, where obviously the best players play in the biggest clubs. And, and they don't like that they basically have full control over mm-hmm. over that whole arena. And so this is FIFA's attempt to elbow its way into the, the landscape. It was even reported at the time of the, the Super League, the initial Super League proposal that we had two years ago. There was reporting, pretty solid reporting, that FIFA were secretly backing that whole proposal because, and that was one of the reasons that Florentino Perez and Agnelli, they were emboldened because they felt they had the backing of FIFA. And so the Champions League was going to be UEFA's competition and the Super League was going to be FIFA's competition. Of course, then FIFA saw the backlash and kind of pretended that those discussions hadn't happened. But they saw this as a way to disrupt the Champions League and disrupt the the stranglehold that UEFA has on club football as a whole. And so now that that's failed, they're kind of hoping that the Club World Cup is maybe going to give them that influence over over club soccer i think that's a a big motivation do you think there's a chance though like i know we said no to this earlier but to revisit one more time is there a chance that when that first tournament starts in 2025 once we've got the groups going and like a a team springs a surprise and maybe chelsea are like struggling to get out of the group or maybe it's man united or whomever like do you feel like you will get into it is there a chance that you do sort of have your interest peaked or do you think it's always going to be other international competitions and it's just sort of going to be a like curiosity more than a thing that you actually get into yeah i think over time it will definitely be a curiosity I, I i know myself that first year i'll probably watch like every game because it's something new and there's a bit of novelty to it uh, yeah i think over time it will be a, become a, a a bit of a curiosity having said that i was really down on the nation's league as a concept, the International Nations League and, and, yeah. and UEFA, when that started and Scotland were getting involved in that, and I thought this is a stupid idea, nobody's ever going to take this seriously. And I know for the top level teams like England and France and so on, they might still believe that. But for Scotland, it's been fantastic. Like they are competitive games for for like tier two and tier three countries like us. So I have been proven wrong on on competition concepts in the past. Um, I just I just don't really see that happening with the Club World Cup. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. Graham, anything else uh, on the Club World Cup? Do you just want to sing Gianni Infantino's praises for a couple minutes? Anything else like that? Um, I'd rather not. Uh, okay. They need a better trophy, I think, is one of the things with the Club World Cup. It's, it's not the... Do you know what it reminds me of? And I think the, the Women's World Cup needs a better trophy as well, but it reminds me of the Women's World Cup trophy. I just, I just think, g- give them a big pot to hold, like the Champions League, like a big trophy, rather than this kind of small thing you can hold in, in, in one hand. Yeah, on, so maybe that reflects the stature of the competition, actually. On, the, on that note, on the women's side, where there is significantly less money uh, to be had, and players, I think, could use more money, 
that does feel like an area where if they really tried to make a club world cup for the yes. women's game, I think that is a smart move because yep, it agreed. would allow more money. And I think players would care about it and it would be an opportunity to get some scores settled. Cause I've always asked that about like when the North Carolina courage were this dominant force in America, could they have handled Leon? Could they have handled PSG? I think, I think you could have a very interesting tournament if you went that direction. Yes, agreed with that. That's where this, the the dynamic is and the landscape is a little bit different between men's and yeah. women's a little um, bit, soccer, a little of bit. course. Yeah, just a little bit. Where obviously in men's soccer you have this concentration in Europe, and in women's soccer you kind of have a split between obviously the NWSL and the European League. So I I agree. Just because it's not a good idea or or it's a flawed idea for the men's game doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen in the women's game. I I wholeheartedly agree that should happen. All right. Well, Graham Ruffin, thank you for talking about the Club World Cup with me today. I don't know if this will be the last 101 of the year. I suspect it will. So we appreciate everybody who has listened and hung out with us. Hopefully you have enjoyed all of the many topics we have covered in 2023. And we will be back to cover more in 2024. Thanks so much, Graham Ruffin, as always, my friend. Thank you, Taylor Rockwell. Listeners, thank you all. Once again, we'll talk to you soon.